The Big Picture, a Christian insight into the world of movies, television and pop culture with magazine editor Ben McKechn and scriptwriter Mark Hadley. A Bible Society Australia production, sharing the light of God's Word into every corner of your world. Well, hello. My name is Russ Matthews. And I'm his vegan consultant, Mark Hadley. <laughs> Welcome to episode 111 of The Big Picture. Oh, wow. We are binary. It's the week beginning June 12. And coming up on today's show, fancy a bit of living history, Britain's greatest PMs on the big screen in Churchill. And I get to find out what it's like to be an international student in Australia and to share the five films that might spoil a holiday at the beach. And we take a run on the beach with David Hasselhoff and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yep, it's Baywatch time. Welcome to the show, guys, and welcome to you, Sam. Hello, gentlemen. And I've got to say, on behalf of The Big Picture, happy birthday, Russ Matthews. Ah, thanks. You know, there's uh, there's not two other guys that I want to spend my birthday with. Than you two. There's well, not two other guys, movie reviewers, in the studio <laughs> that I would rather In this see. place, at this moment. <laughs> of course, you know, our family is one thing, but getting to hang out with you guys is yeah, a completely yeah, fantastic. different thing. Uh, Russ, hypothetically, if right. we bought you a movie ticket this week to oh. spend this week... Hypothetically, this week. hypothetically, what would you go and see? What's well, the cinemas a, this week? Well, hypothetically, we kind of go through it, or actually even literally, we'd mm. be able to look at the fact that the director of Notting Hill puts Rachel Weitz and Sam Claflin on the screen together in the dramatic mystery of My Cousin Rachel. And then later we get to hear Mark what Mark thinks about Churchill, the drama that shows what happened behind the scenes of the largest amphibious land attack in World War II, D-Day, specifically looking at the inner turmoil of the English legendary leader Winston Churchill. All right, what's on the small screen this week, Mark? Okay, well, this week we're turning over to the ABC on June 13 at 10 p.m. And you might think, why am I getting up at 10 p.m. or staying up till 10? <laughs> getting You're up a, at 10 sorry. p.m.? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was Who just, does that? That was the university students. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and all those vampires. Well, I'm going to say, yes, on the ABC this week, there's a real reason to stay up late, to have a look at Meet the Mavericks. Now, this is a new series for the ABC. Each episode brings together two creators creative talents, you know, it could be like singers or filmmakers, rappers, whatever, for an inspiring conversation about how they see the world, what drives them, what enrages them, and how they channel their passion, yada, yada, yada. Now, it might just sound like a normal interview program, except that the very first episode interviews the late John Clark oh. and Alexi Sale. Mm. Now, I would love to see John Clark and Alexi Sale on screen together. Mm. I bet you would too, so check that out on June 13th. On June 15th, Netflix returns with Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4. Oh, wow. If you were counting down to this, well, it's finally arrived. It's the fourth season based on Marvel's comic series, a universe revolving around the character of Phil Coulson and the other S.H.I.E.L.D. agents as they deal with the enhanced individuals, individuals who are now flooding the world post the Sokovia Accords. Look, guys, this is just another piece of the Marvel universe (laughs) falling into place. Um, For some people out there, it is the biggest event on the calendar for other the rest of us we're just wondering well, how much more tv is going to be sort of swamped by this um i personally look forward to a day when all programs will share continuity with the marvel universe oh, no. including cooking <laughs> ones i'd like thor's kitchen um, i'd like to see the iron man chef well it's time for our true or false question of the week okay now Later in the show, we're going to be talking about Baywatch. Yes, and we are. This actually reminded me because David Hasselhoff, the Hoff, the Hoff, was, the Hoff. was the star of Baywatch for you know twelve years. Okay, that series <laughs> ran forever. Um, I thought I would share a moment 
and you can decide whether or not it's actually true. Um, the Hoff is a singer, an actor, a producer, the only person who holds the Guinness Book of World Records as the wa- most watched man on TV. Okay, he's known <laughs> for the young and the restless, Knight Rider, and of course, LA County lifeguard Mitch Buchanan in the series Baywatch. But what else is he known for? True or false? Okay. Did David Hasselhoff star in a Broadway musical? I bet he did. I mm. bet, yeah. Well, you'll have uh, to wait until after okay. our review to find out. Okay, well, we have Russ Matthews with us this week on his birthday. Yes. Uh, who what is an immigrant turned Australian citizen. And he got to check out the semi-autobiographical comedy Ronnie Cheng, International Student, which is coming soon to the ABC. But will it connect with Australian and international audiences? I want you to find your opponent's greatest weapon and turn it against them. You uh, like to wrap the old laughing gear around a couple of frothies? What? His family have won the drinking contest for three generations. Believe it or not, this is actually the easiest way to get the textbook. And also, if we don't win the drinking competition, we're going to have to run naked in the next lecture. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Chang, he actually is a great writer, and and he's well well done as far as in in relationship to being a comedian. But in this one, he actually is kind of, um, like he said, semi-autobiographical as far as his experiences here in Australia as a Malaysian student on the campus of an Australian university, probably down in Melbourne as a student of law. And uh, he's trying to make friends within um, his own community of the international students, but then also still connecting with the Australian public and kind of looking at even the challenges of looking the, looking at the fact that it's English, but it's Australian English. It's, uh, it's, it's a really unique culture and how he is able to kind of maintain his own culture, but then also really connect with the Australian culture. It's really a hilarious look at the experience of this international student and really his drive to really try to connect with um, a new area of his life, but also not leave his life of Malaysia behind. Now, some people might remember, actually, that this was the result of an ABC competition, you know, where they actually, the ABC had a bunch of comedians do one-off pilots, mm. and the winner would get a series, and mm. Ronnie Cheng's International Students won. Now, I loved the pilots. Did it carry through? Is it worth it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Does- do the jokes continue? I guess how many times can you make those jokes? Well, I think I think one of the things that really makes it work is that they they really try and show the extremes of people's kind of stereotypes, as it were. I mean, they really show so many of the different Asian stereotypes, and really only a, an Asian student or an Asian actor can really get away with it without it coming off as being racist in some way. But then also the thing that really helped me to connect with it was the fact that they even included an American student into this whole thing <laughs> named Craig Cooper, which it funny enough I went to high school with a guy named Craig Cooper and uh, this American student and again he kind of falls into all the trappings of the typical American he, you know like the fact that they say hey um, could you could you take the volume down just a little bit when he's talking you know especially you know or even talking about when he walks in with his shoes on and how they all get quite offended uh, I think it really hits the extremes of the cultural stereotypes and it is funny uh, I think that it really is funny in certain ways there are some things that probably I would probably have to get some warnings to but all in all it is really quite humorous well, I guess that's one of the things I want to ask because you're our resident American. Okay, so you, how did you feel uh, as a, an internationalist watching this particular show? Did you laugh or did you cringe? Well, there's some of the jokes where you're almost looking around the room going, is it okay for me to laugh at this? Because I'm not sure I can right. from that standpoint. So it's really kind of both. But then on top of it, too, um, they really bring in so much of the world's language as far as the course language, the life of a, of a student. So, you know, the party scene, um, all the different kind of promiscuity 
promiscuity that you assume goes on on university campuses. And so there's different elements that really are kind of cringeworthy, but there's some things that are just brilliant. So it's, if you're going to watch this, watch with a discerning eye, but look for some of these great references to especially the one on Apocalypse Now. And then also there's one to um, Australian Rules Football, them playing Australian Rules Football that is just really well done. Now, Russ, uh, you know, you've been through the process of coming to Australia yourself, so it's probably something that you can relate to in this. Uh, does this say something about the challenges of immigrants coming to Australia and settling in? Oh, sure. I mean, I think that I think it really shows so many of the different challenges because you really desire to be a part of the culture here and acceptance. You, you enjoy the country that you live in, but mm. also you're really always looking back to the heritage that you come from. And and I think that this this. TV show in a way kind of shows that desire for identity. Um, looking at that, I, I was even kind of looking at Ephesians 2 and looking at the fact that many times we feel like strangers, we feel like aliens in, in certain, and we don't necessarily feel like we belong in certain ways. And that even though we can find our identity in a country or a sport team or, or all those different things, or even in our family, that really what it comes down to is looking at how is our relationship with God and, and finding our really our identity with him. That so much of the disconnect that I think Ronnie and his friends experienced really could have been brought together so much more when you're looking outside of just kind of your own what you look like or what heritage you come from, really looking at something that would be able to connect us. And I think that looking at the God of the Bible and really the unity that Christ can really bring us really gives us an opportunity to be able to see how we really can connect and really why we're trying to connect. It really kind of gives us that answer. So I think that International Student definitely kind of hits on a lot of things that people are trying to do and looking back at their their um, heritage, but also looking forward to what where they live. But hopefully what this would also be able to drive people to is looking at there's something bigger, a bigger identity, and especially in relationship to God. Ronnie Chang, international student, stars Ronnie Chang, Felicity Ward, and Anthony Morgan, and is hitting ABC really soon. True or uh, false answer? Indeed. Uh, early in the break, I posed to you guys that David Hasselhoff has a massive career, and that's fairly what undeniable. Right. But did it include a Broadway musical? True or false? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably gonna go with false, just because he's done so many other things. Uh, it would I'm be just an easy thing for me to make up, be able to go. Hey, yeah, yeah I, I don't think so. I'm Sam. saying it's true. Yeah. I definitely can see him on the stage. That's because that ego knows no bounds. It is <laughs> true. <laughs> um, in in 2000, actually, my wife and I were filming a documentary in New York, yeah. and we were filming uh, on Broadway, and we were filming uh, the musical Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Now, at that particular time, Sebastian Back, you know, from Skid. Row, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sebastian Bach. He was actually the lead singer in this musical, which no. was unbelievable. He was the sort of guy who actually would finish each performance by getting a, a like a bouquet of roses, which will usually do to the lead, and then he would bite the heads off them and spit them into the audience. <laughs> now that's <laughs> As you do. That's unusual. But apparently the, the producers weren't very happy with how Sebastian Bach was working out, so they moved him on and replaced him with David Hasselhoff. So then we were filming and the Hoff comes in. We were in, we talked to the cast later and we said to them, look, you know, how does the Hoff sing? And one of them said quite politely, he more speaks than sings. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, Hoff was in Jekyll and Hyde. Wowie. Well, coming up, what do Winston Churchill, Steve Carell and Dwayne The Rock Johnson have in common? They're all still to come in this week's show. Welcome back. 
Well, for soundtrack this week, we're we're looking at Despicable Me Three. It's going to be releasing this week, just for you guys' reference. So it's mm. coming out, and so we thought, well, you know what? In the Despicable Me soundtrack, the original one, we have a great song from 1976 that we'll be able to really celebrate, get you up singing and dancing. It was a number one hit in the U.S. and a number seven hit in here in Australia. Here it is. that boogie fever man yeah, boogie fever from the silvers oh yeah oh, birthday gosh. boogie fever yeah and, uh, yeah I was just thinking you turned you really are having your birthday oh yeah. man well because this is definitely was reintroduced to the a whole new generation through despicable me but yet it, back in 1976 which i will have to admit i do remember well you and, were 22 at the time why wouldn't you <laughs> thanks so much and you know, what can you remember from 1976 did you know that apple computers was started in 1976 i do remember investing in that 
stop <laughs> exactly. Rocky was released at that time. Also, Jimmy Carter was um, brought in as president of the United States. And just for those sport fans out there, Manly was the NRL premiership winner, and mm-hmm. Hawthorne won the VFL premiership that year. So yeah. Boogie Fever brings back a whole bunch of great memories and also another way to dance with your minions. <laughs> Well, as far as real-life characters from history go, there are a few as large as Winston Churchill, uh, Britain's leader during World War II and Prime Minister for many years afterwards. This week sees the release of a new biopic that concentrates on just a few days in Churchill's life, especially the countdown to D-Day and the invasion of Europe during World War II. But the drama doesn't focus uh, on the battles on land and sea, but the fight going on in Winston's own heart. Where will he find peace in the face of overwhelming anxiety? I need your help. Try acting like a hero, Winston, and then maybe people will believe that you are one. This is the Prime Minister speaking. You must give them hope. Make them believe they will win this war. This great war is fought by ordinary people. This is not a war for glory. It is a war for freedom. When it's all over, what will I be? You will always be the man who led us through this. Well, it's June 1944. It's a few days before the D-Day landings. And of course, we know that that will be the turning point of the war against Nazi Germany. The American and British and French, in fact, and reconstituted French forces, everybody is going to drive Mm. in to the German Empire, knock Hitler off his throne. But that's something we know by looking back. Actually, at that time, the Allied High Command is really quite divided. They're not sure whether or not it's going to go ahead. And we're invited into the centre of that struggle. You've got King George is there. He's played by James Purfoy. You've got General Dwight Eisenhower, John Slattery from Madden. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, you've got Winston Churchill's played by Brian Cox. And this is just a real slow-moving piece, I, w- I just want to say, for mm-hmm. a start. If you were going in there looking for the explosions of Saving Private Ryan or something like that, this is not your film. What this is is a, a, a an insight into a very complex stage of life. Um, in fact, it's the, the D-Day action is just really a backdrop for the personal demons that the leaders are bearing, you know, and are fighting against, and the heroes who rise above those personal struggles as they finally reach that day to invade fortress Europe. You know, you really struggle to find, Mark, a, a British character who's more famous than, than say, Winston Churchill. Yeah, it's but true. After maybe only the Queen and maybe after King Arthur. Yeah, and Smaug. And Smaug. Smaug is not British. Oh, he's got a British voice. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Right. Anyway, you're well, right. Okay, so apart, from, yeah, apart okay. from Smaug, Smaug. And the Queen, yeah. <laughs> is Winston Churchill every bit the hero we kind of expect to see in a film like he this? He is not. Oh, okay, really? Now, this is a really interesting film. I was kind of thrown by this. Um, firstly, uh, this is a stage room which uh, Churchill is kind of on the outer. Okay, so people mm. are thinking, oh, Churchill did so well in the Blitzkrieg, but let's face it, um, you know, he hasn't been much these days. And, and other politicians are saying things like, you know, every leader has his day and it's probably time that, you know, we shuffle him on. Um, and interestingly, it, the invasion of D-Day is going to go ahead in a few days and Churchill is, a, is opposed to it. 
Mm. He doesn't think it should really? go ahead. I oh, know. Oh, yeah. no, this is huh. the sort of thing where you go, oh, what? I thought he was... No. In fact, he's a pain in the neck to General Eisenhower and Field Marshal Montgomery. Um, he's... Uh, racked by all sorts of envy of their commands and um, guilt and fear himself about what's going to happen. It almost sounds like he's kind of in some point of depression or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Is, is it really? There's something that's really gnawing away at him. This, this is an thing? interesting historical fact. If people don't know, and maybe if you struggle against depression too, like one in four Australians do, mm. you might actually be interested in seeing this and and finding sort of like a soulmate in Winston mm. Churchill, because Churchill did struggle with depression, uh, and in fact, sometimes it was so strong it actually left him in, incapable of moving. He would just sit really? still and be unable to do anything. So this is the look that we've got now in this particular part of the film um, he's thinking back to World War One a lot um, people might or might not know that Winston Churchill was the first Lord of the Admiralty during World War for Britain during the World War uh, One and he was responsible for the invasion which we know of as the Gallipoli campaign. Really? So yeah. he sent all of these troops in to invade an entrenched mm. enemy uh, on the coast of Turkey, and he's thinking, we're doing it again. And I lost um, millions of lives back then, and I'm, I'm going to be responsible all over again. So no wonder he's completely opposed to the whole thing. So tell me, uh, Mark, does Churchill recover by the end of the film? Does he does he find something to get him through? Yeah, he does. This is where Miranda Richardson, his wife, who plays, you know, it's, it's Clementine is Churchill's wife and Miranda Richardson plays her. She basically enters the plot uh, as the the backbone that, that Winston Churchill lacks at this point. He's collapsing all over himself in terms of anxiety and fears and things like that. Um, and interesting, I think there's a nice parallel between uh, Churchill and Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. You know, like both Hitchcock and Churchill are great figures in terms of uh, of history. And yet at the same time, they're both faulted at struggles um, and played to the younger women and things like that, but then were sustained by their wives. Mm. And so Clementine kind of comes in and, and bolsters Churchill and helps him to stand by him. And she won't let him wallow. It's a lot of that tough love. She, she, she smacks him around a bit and says, listen, um, people need you to be your best version of yourself now, not the one that you feel like. Um, and there's this great scene after her encouragement where he kind of begs God. Um, he, he, he says mm. to God, look, please, you've got to do something here. Now, he wants God to do one thing. God does absolutely the opposite. I don't want to turn the story around but it's a very common experience in the christian walk where you might be saying god i really need you to step in and i want you to do this and god does step in and does something completely different i found this pretty challenging and encouraging i think it was great too that his wife was the one who pointed him in the right direction look tribute to my own wife Mm. i know you gentlemen are married too how often is it that you are lifted up to be the the man that you should be by the woman that God has given you. That's right. I think it's a marvelous thing. I think it's a wonderful here, here. thing too for people who are struggling with the depression to remember that God places people around you to lift you up. Your faith might be weak, but other people can strengthen it for you. Churchill stars Brian Cox, Miranda Richardson and John Slattery. It's rated M for mature themes and open nationally on June 8th. So if you're a history buff, it's time to get to the box office. And if uh, you or someone you know needs to talk, you can call Lifeline on 131114. Welcome back to The Big Picture. Finally here, lads. 
not talking about Wonder Woman, I'm talking about the remake <laughs> of the 1990s cult TV series Baywatch, which is finally washed up on Australian shores. Now, Mark doesn't mind a swim through the shark-infested waters of TV remakes, so he had headed off to the cinemas to f- see if anything could actually replace the Hoff in board shorts, and what he found was submerged in a sea of slimy content. Drugs, murder, dead body on our beach, and it all started once she took over. Some people are up to no good. We're going to have to do what they watch as best. The truth is, one of you will probably die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? No. Am I the only one that thinks this is clearly a job for the police? Thank you, Blue-Eyed Demon. You got one job. Make sure swim-happy white people don't drown. The classic TV show starring David Hasselhoff as Mitch Buchanan and his team of LA lifeguards has been remade for the big screen, but with Dwayne The Rock Johnson in the hero's board shorts. Now, the plot is just about as improbable as the original TV series. (laughs) I can only imagine. A South American businesswoman is using a lucrative super drug to corrupt city council and buy up property in the Bay Area, and only lifeguards will be able to stop her, which is, of course, where it all jumps the shark. Mm. The Rock is joined by a bunch of new recruits including Olympic swimmer fallen on hard times Matt Brody played by Zac Efron and they'll be trying to put aside their personal animosity in order to solve this mystery or maybe they'll just spend two hours making thinly veiled sex jokes well it's another TV remake okay we're here again was it as good as chips? Now, I feel that it's well worth us coming clean at this point and saying, Russ and I make a habit of seeing 80s remake TV shows <laughs> turned <laughs> no into way. films. There's a lot of them. There, no, are, there are too we many. Seem, we seem to be ending up at the cinema a lot together and sitting next to each other. So, honestly, in regards to chips, which we saw together, this was not as good. It, can in you fact, imagine? Wow. It chips, wasn't. Chips was fantastic. <laughs> I love chips in comparison to this. I can't, I think I will go out and watch chips again in order to scour the memory of Baywatch from my oh, mind. Wow. <laughs> Look, it's not a bad comparison. Uh, it's the same audience, 20-somethings and some nostalgic fans. It's also got the same problems, extreme language issues. I mean extreme. Sexism like you wouldn't believe. Nudity, which ju- that word just does not cover what they do in this film. They actually have a new term, which I have seen for the very first time applied to a film, film rating, Strong comedic nudity. (laughs) And it is both strong and it is nudity, but it is not comedic. It is as far from funny as you can be. I can't recommend this to anyone. So do you think that they're really aiming for kind of camp or a spoof? I really think they tried to do something like that. I think they tried to send up some aspects, you know, of the original TV show. So you've got the classic slow-mo running, which Baywatch is so famous for, and lifeguards who do police work, which is kind of a bit silly, you know, <laughs> the investigating things happening on our beach. But, you know, it's still, it's just too serious in parts. They aim for a spoof, and then they do some really serious things, which are, are silly, silly, silly. Like Mitch, uh, you know, the rocks struggle to make people take their roles seriously, and Zac Efron's character who struggles to beat alcoholism and self-loathing. And, you know, it's weird. It keeps washing back and forward between yeah. funny and stupid. And then there are cameos from Pamela Anderson and David Hasselhoff, which are not treated as jokes. Like, uh, David Hasselhoff is passed off as the spiritual mentor of the current Mitch Buchanan, even though he is also Mitch Buchanan. It, who knows what is going on oh, in the scriptwriter's yes. minds. Now, I'm assuming there's not anything serious to come out of a film like this. <laughs> no. Uh, but are there any warnings? Uh 
in this film? Yeah, I think there is. The, the film itself is a warning, okay? Um, and I guess, you know, for fans of the big picture and maybe for um, new listeners, this is one of those things we have to start watching out for when we, when we sit down for a comedy, okay? The, the concept of comedy is changing. It is basically getting very, very lazy. Um, now, of course, there's just the usual sort of uh, F-bombs and things like that, and that's apparently supposed to be a joke when somebody uses a, a foul word in a script uh, but there's other stuff now there's the objectification of women that is just getting mm. quite serious it's very lowbrow mm. and now male nudity is becoming a serious issue in films it's like there is a protracted scene here where Zac Efron is is just fooling around with another guy's body oh, and, and yeah. you're just going this is stupid it's not funny mm. it's really uncomfortable i don't know why this is supposed to be funny and c.s lewis used to talk about this he used to say that, really? that when sin gets involved in humor um this joke is always assumed to be made but never explained as if mm. there's a whole lot of funniness going on and we can all laugh we all know it's funny but no one ever tells us why it's funny and really that's just an excuse to mock things and i know this because this is what's happening to christians christians there's a whole assumed joke about christianity going on why would you be a Christian? Why would you do these things? And yet at the same time, it hasn't been explained. There really is a serious side to Christianity, hmm. but we're just mocking it. This is sort of comedy that takes place in cinemas. It's leeching into real life. We've got to be careful of mockery. That's what I reckon. All right. Well, Baywatch is rated MA15 plus for strong comedic nudity and also <laughs> coarse language. It stars Dwayne Johnson, also known as The Rock, Zac Efron, Alexander Daddario and Kerry Robach, and it's in cinemas right now. Now, coming up on the big picture, Baywatch isn't the only thing you have to worry about, Sir fans. Next up, we give you our top five films guaranteed to ruin a beach holiday. Welcome back to The Big Picture. Now, it's time for us to tell you a little bit about where you can get more and more of this good stuff. I'm looking forward to this. If you like The Big Picture, and basically we hope you do, because we're trying to equip you to look at a cultural world around you and apply Christianity or think about what God might have to say, well, you can find out more, firstly, at our website. Go to thebigpicturewebsite.com and you will find all sorts of reviews and things about previous things. You'll find this fellow called Ben McKeckin, funny little chap. He'll be back soon next week. All sorts of things about films. And also, we can recommend that you should go over to eternitynews.com.au. Now, eternitynews.com.au, great supporters of the show. And they actually have been doing some wonderful sort of uh, videos and insights through Christian character. I know they're wonderful because I'm involved in one of them. There's, <laughs> there's a great little uh, video we've got to put it put together over at eternitynews.com.au about teaching your kids to fail, which is what the new kids films are coming out this month are trying to do. Despicable Me 3, Cars 3. And Transformers The Last Night are all about failure. Have a look and see what Hollywood has to say about how your kids cope with failure. Interesting watch. You know, another great supporter of the show, too, is also Insights. And Insights um, is an opportunity for you to go and see other reviews or read some great articles on the latest TV shows and movies and other great articles at the Insights website. Uh, My reviews of Baywatch and as also my cousin Rachel will be there. Plus, uh, there's a really great article from Adrian Drayton, one of the regular on the show, um, on the TV show 13 Reasons Why. And so I'd really recommend that you head over to the Insights website and it's insights.uca.org.au. It is time Hi. for the top five. We've arrived. It's the here. best part of the week. Each time we sort of climb this particular cultural mountain mm. and arrive at the top five, mm. I feel it's, it's almost like another experience of Nirvana. 
It is. <laughs> and I don't want to overstate that. <laughs> That's right. What's the top five this week? Well, you know what? The top five this week was given an interesting challenge because we were just talking about Baywatch. And so looking at maybe five movies that might spoil your beach holiday. Why not? Mm. Baywatch ruined my life. Exactly. Well, that's, that's one of the things because our family loves to go to the beach and there there are a few films that I would not want to watch before going to the beach. Actually, Baywatch was one of them. <laughs> I would not recommend for anybody. But I'm sure one of Sam's favorites was Sharknado and Sharkapus and then also, you know, all five of the uh, the films of Piranha that are out there. There were five. There were five. I, I stopped watching after Piranha 3. <laughs> oh, really? You even watched <laughs> I that I thought they got a bit repetitive after that. Do you know those fish just keep eating? Exactly. It's funny. It's a, it's a, it's a funny thing. But within, within all those realms, there's a lot of them that I would want to avoid. But here's my top five. Five. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I prefer to go swimming at the beach. But there are a lot of people I see out there that actually love to go fishing. Oh, fishing. fishing. Fishing at the one of those One of those activities where you stand on the side of, of a water body and wait for a fish to when, suicide on a hook. Do you remember right. we used to have time to go fishing? Oh. Uh, these days. Uh, these days, yeah. I don't know. You, well, just, so anyway. you order it now. <laughs> <laughs> those fishing stories. Well, the one thing I would say about going out in a boat, especially, is the perfect storm is at number five for me. I don't know if you remember the perfect okay. storm. You so remember- if, if you're going out fishing, you're not going to watch the perfect storm. <laughs> Do not watch the perfect storm, especially if you go out on a big boat and going out. During the perfect storm is a Mark Wahlberg, um, George Clooney film from two th- the year 2000. And uh, looking at these fishermen that head out into this horrific situation where there's these, these different, there's three different storm fronts that are actually hitting at the exact same time. Of course. And uh, um, yeah, not so two. it's one of those things. <laughs> so, so it's one of those things that you do not want to necessarily watch before you go out fishing at the beach. Sure, of course. And you probably don't want to watch the Poseidon adventure either. <laughs> or, or Titanic. <laughs> yeah. Four. Now, the fourth is actually a little bit closer to home for me. It's actually The Impossible. I don't know if you remember The Impossible from 2012. Oh, okay. So now you don't even have to go out on a boat. <laughs> no, you don't have to go out on a boat. It's a, it's a, it's a film. It's a holiday in, in Thailand that actually is by Henry Bennett, who's actually played by Ewan McGregor and his wife Maria, and their children, who the, the, his wife's played by Naomi Watts. And it actually is around the events of the 2004 Boxing Day tsunami that occurred. And mm. it really it gives probably one of the most... Uh, horrific but also accurate predictions of kind of what happens personally not just to kind of the crowd but to a family they get separated um i had the opportunity of going and and serving in a mission that helped out in india after the tsunami and i definitely saw uh, it was quite a devastating thing to experience and to watch this film but then also to be on the beaches that were actually impacted by the tsunami. You know, these beautiful, gorgeous beaches. And everyone is terrified even getting near them again. And especially in India and also even in Thailand. And so for me, probably I would not recommend watching The Impossible if you when watch- you go to the beach. If you watch The Impossible, you probably would just decide on having a holiday in the mountains. <laughs> right. How about we don't go to the beach at all? Exactly. Yeah, that probably would be a good choice, but uh, I probably wouldn't recommend The Impossible. Three. Okay, the third one is kind of almost a gimme, but it also goes back to 2000, if you can remember Castaway. Mm. Hey, Castaway. Mm. <laughs> I won't go to the beach because I don't like coconuts. <laughs> or Federal Express. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's funny because FedEx actually gave the permission to be able to utilize that. They got great publicity out of it and also were introduced um, to um, Wilson, the volleyball. is actually probably yeah. one of the most famous things. But, uh, you know, it's the story of Tom Hanks. He's in a Federal Express um, executive who gets, uh, uh, what, uh, left on an island maroon maroon thank you on an island after a plane crash and 
the reason why I would probably say this isn't a really great one is again, it's a beautiful beach, beautiful area, but they're so devastating. I mean, just watching this guy and you go, wow, he, he, he goes from, you see this extreme from very, just kind of a, a pudgy man to being a very thin man. And you're going, wow, this isn't what you want to necessarily experience at the beach. Actually, um, I just disagree there. Cause I, when I watch Castaway, which I think is a superb film, I actually do think, you know, that would be a good way to lose weight. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, yeah, you know, right. in my 40s, it can be somewhat difficult. Oh, and, and I sometimes think six months on an island, no kids. You know, <laughs> and you get to lose weight, grow your hair out, grow out your know. beard and everything like that. Yeah, it'd be good. I'm thinking there are worse ways to spend <laughs> exactly. six months. I just want to know, which 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 sport ball would you want to actually hang oh, out I'd with on the beach? I'd definitely be hanging out with a Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> Wilson, definitely hang out on Castaway. Two. All right, my second one. 1995's Waterworld. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that there's a really good reason not to watch that film. There's, there are plenty of reasons. There's, see, that's, there's so many reasons why not to. But I think, because I mean, if you go back to Kevin Costner film, there's probably more known about what happened off screen as far as it was just a kind of a disaster as far as the whole production of the whole film. Fired the director, who was one of his best friends, lost his marriage in the whole process. There were so many different things that were yeah, wrong with One Water of the World. most expensive films ever made for that time. The whole set got swamped several times because it was a floating set. Who didn't think that was going to go wrong? Mm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe. But but really, what what really would detract me from actually ever wanting to kind of experience this? What I think they were trying to do was like a Mad Max on the water. Mm-hmm. It was kind of that sort of that theme, that kind of element. But what would deter me from wanting to go to the beach after watching a film like this is one that you would happily maybe have to drink your own waste. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because it was the only way you could actually get fresh water was yes. going through this whole process of uh, if, of doing build. If do somebody that on made that a, uh, like a compulsory, if you go to the beach, you have to drink your own waste. I would probably forego going to the yeah, beach. Yeah, we forego, forego the, going well to the beach. Done. And then also potentially that you could grow gills and actually those little webbed hands. And now so there's, <laughs> there's a lot of pollution out there. And who knows what effect it's having on You know, right. I think so, some swimmers might want to have gills, but okay. I, it's not one of those things I really desire. One. Now you would think that number one would be Jaws. Yes, you would I, think, I, of course, it would be Jaws. Top reason to was not go. Not yeah. go back to the beach. Or maybe even most recently, The Shallows. Oh, that terrified me. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Going to the beach. Going to yes. the Why? Beach. It was shallow. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, that's the point. It was yeah. the, the Shallows. Mm. But really for a dad that has three daughters and a son who love going to the beach and love going out on, on bodyboards and all that sort of thing, Soul Surfer is actually the movie that I would say is my uh. number one film of what I would never want to watch again. Even though I think it's quite a compelling story. It's really it's fascinating. A 13-year-old Bethany Hamilton, champion surfer, who goes out and, and goes out one, out and one night surfing and then all of a sudden, unfortunately, gets bitten by a shark. So, let me see if I understand this. The reason why you wouldn't want to watch this before a beach trip is not because it would make you in mind of the fact that you might get eaten by a shark, but maybe one of your kids. That's even more terrifying to me than even me, potentially. Yeah. I mean, Jaws was scary enough. The Shallows was definitely terrifying. But I, I really, the Soul Surfer actually just really rips out my heart yeah. in, in regards to the potential for you sending your child out into the water and them potentially getting hurt. It really terrifies me and actually be the one that I would say, mm, let's not go to the beach after watching that film. Do you know that uh, how I solved this problem? How did you do that? <laughs> well, every time I go to the beach, I always take someone who I'm not terribly worried about losing. <laughs> Sam, are you doing anything this week? <laughs> oh. Someone you could swim faster than, right? <laughs> Ouch. I can't do this anymore. So what do we do now? We'll take it day by day. 
understand. I don't know why terrible things happen to us sometimes, but I have to believe that something good is going to come out of this. What's all this stuff? A little fan mail. We sorted it out by country. There's an eighth grader from North Carolina who lost his arm. He's going to try out for a school soccer team because of me, and he's rooting for me in my next competition. Now, just to make sure with audiences understand this, is Soul Surfer was actually a really great film about God and the impact that um, how Bethany Hamilton was actually able to come through this whole situation. I wouldn't necessarily watch this film before going to the beach, but I would definitely recommend it for families. It's a film that would really be of good value if you'd be able to really look at how God can impact you during suffering times. Yeah, that's a brilliant one. Well... All right, well, uh, that's all the time we have for the big picture. I'm not going to the beach with Mark Hadley now, just for the record, but coming up on the show next week, if you like Churchill, well, you'll be loving uh, this moving World War I drama, The Promise. And for the family, Gru and his minions are back in Despicable Me 3. Plus, we watch Tom Cruise walk like an Egyptian in The Mummy. See you next week. The Big Picture is a Bible Society Australia production, sharing the light of God's Word into every corner of your world. 